Hello and welcome to ProCon. My name is Siddharth Satish and today on our show we have the long-awaited debate on this house regrets the narrative of American exceptionalism. Now this debate was scheduled to be last week. However, due to extenuating health circumstances that befell one of our ProCon members, we were unable to upload an episode out of respect for them. Now, this ProCon member is fine at this point in time, but there was something very pressing that required the attention of the whole team. And it is exactly for this reason that we did not post an episode last week. In light of all the health viruses that have been going around, especially the coronaviruses, the ProCon team would also like to extend its utmost, utmost luck and utmost, utmost gratitude and sympathies to those of our viewers in Asian countries who are currently maybe inflicted with the coronavirus or maybe even surrounded by it. We hope that all citizens, especially Chinese citizens, close to 200 of our viewers, make sure that they take safety precautions, they remain safe in whichever area that they are in. But out of respect for them, we would request that everyone maintain a moment of silence for a few seconds. With that being said, it's my utmost honor to introduce to you Manya Chopra, a sophomore from West Windsor Plainsborough High School North who will be debating in negation of today's resolution. And please join your hands as I welcome her on today's show. Hello, Manya. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure to have you, Manya. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and showcasing your ideas to me and to the entire world, essentially. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, of course. We love that you're coming out, you're showcasing your ideas to everyone and saying what you want to say on this topic, which is essentially some of the foundations of American history, as you said so yourself. And I think your passion for history is really going to come handy in today's debate. So just so the viewers are very clear, I'm going to be giving the first four minute speech arguing in affirmation of today's resolution, saying that this house should regret the narrative of American exceptionalism. You're going to go and give the second speech in negation of today's legislation, saying that this house should essentially value American exceptionalism. Now for everyone, let's make sure that we don't confuse this with the traditional world schools debate, which would essentially be longer because um, in world schools debate, usually you define terms, you have a proper framework, but we don't have the time on today's show to do everything like that completely. But you'll get a general sense of the arguments because that's what we're focusing on, proper arguments and proper communication. And the structure should just fall right in place if you have all of that. So with that, are you ready to debate, Manya? Yes, I am. Awesome, sounds good. That's what we like to hear. So we're gonna jump right into today's debate. So my speech, four minutes, in affirmation of today's resolution, is going to begin now. John Winthrop's statement in admonition to the New England colonists, saying, We shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of the people are upon us, has fostered a tendency to view America 
as an elect nation and Americans a chosen people. However, this is sadly the truth. Now first, let's look at the definition of American exceptionalism. American exceptionalism is something that gives America its unique color. It's something that makes America an exception, an aberration compared to other nations. However, the question is, are we truly different in terms of our values, our ideals, our principles, and our actions? And if we look at history, and if we look today, the sad truth is we're not. We were founded as a nation of immigrants, but in 1882 with the Chinese Exclusion Act, we tried to push them away from our country. We were founded as a nation of democracy, of republicanism. However, with the Wisconsin voter purge, we essentially removed 200,000 people from our democracy. So let's go into detail about immigration and about democracy and how both of them are not something entirely American and how many other countries have similar ideas. So first, let's tackle the view of immigration. Many countries in Europe, like Italy, have fostered a sense of isolationism in the view that they don't want to accept immigrants into their nation. Now, has America been open borders and accepting immigrants for all of eternity? The truth is no. So I mentioned the Chinese Exclusion Act, but that's only one thing. The Supreme Court recently upheld Trump's ban on Muslims entering the United States. We see as a nation, we're moving towards the direction of isolationism. We're moving towards the direction that other countries are always in. We're saying people should not be able to enter our nation because of stereotypes that the media and other institutions have created for us. If we were truly exceptional, we would be able to look past those stereotypes. We would be able to look past those borders, those walls that divide nations and accept people for who they truly are. But we're not. And that's why you oppose today's, you affirm today's resolution. But second, let's look at democracy. America, everyone says, is the longest lasting democracy. That may be true. But how democratic are we if we put nation, if we put people who want to serve our nation, if we put people who want a voice inside of this democracy completely apart? Now, the Wisconsin vote, voter purge, which happened a few months ago, is actually in the start of January, removed 200,000 people from the voter list. That's close to 200,000 people losing their voice. But we don't need to only look at modern times to see these examples. The grandfather clause, literacy texts, poll taxes, all steeped in our history are symbols of how the right of suffrage is only given to an exclusive few. Similar things were seen in Britain's feudal system. Similar things were seen in Japan's fiefdom system. We're not unique as a nation, and we're not even morally right as a nation, so we can't claim to be unique. Thank you. That concludes the speech for the affirmation on this resolution. 
Now we will have Ms. Chopra, the leader of the negation, present her oral argument of four minutes to everyone, arguing why we should value American exceptionalism today. Ms. Chopra, whenever you're ready, you can begin. Thank you. I want to take the time to redefine the term American exceptionalism. Now, in order to understand the value and significance of the term American exceptionalism, it is crucial to remember that it represents something that cannot be separated from the history of the country itself. The very foundations of the United States rests on a creed that distinguishes it from the rest. The story of a ragtag 13 colonies that managed to overthrow a world power. Most people know the term American exceptionalism to be a derogatory statement coined by Joseph Stalin, dictator of the Soviet Union in 1929. However, those same people failed to recognize the true ideology behind the term. Before the possibility of America was even fathomed, America as a unique corner of the earth, a sanctuary, was already in the hearts and minds of the first colonists who came to its soil. In his most reputed sermon, John Winthrop encouraged his fellow Puritans to indulge in the opportunities that the colonies offered them when he referred to the land as a city upon a hill. A common trend that is seen throughout is politicians in America and their consensus upon the nature of American exceptionalism. These people were the first to realize that unlike other countries, America did not begin with a blank slate in any case. If nothing else, the rich natural resources in America were enough to invoke change in the man who arrived as a civilized European, but before he knew it, became an American. Um, an American who was invested in the unique opportunities presented to him in this country. That is why what leads us to ex what exactly makes this country exceptional the United States has managed to become a model for democracy on the world stage. It was true back when the black Haitians modeled their revolution after the American Revolution. It was true when President Grant toured the world, receiving the respects and admirations that the leader of this country should. And it was true when the first African American was inaugurated into the sacred White House. That is why I want to question why our house rejects this narrative of beauty. Mitt Romney recently mentioned that although he considers America as exceptional, he believes that the country is pompous in its claims to a unique glory because he sees no difference enter the democracy and the exceptionalism of Greek or Britain. This is where him and people like the him fall short of understanding. This mindset is what will stop this country from reaching its full potential and establishing itself as the world power it had always set out to be. 
The affirmation speech mentioned America's corrupt immigration policies today. I want to touch upon the idea because, as you know, that America has become a melting pot of culture due to its opportunity in assimilation, its opportunity for people who come to this country to develop a public identity. Is it so wrong that by defining America as exceptional, we want to safeguard our American economy? We want to safeguard America as a model for democracy. We want to safeguard America as a melting pot of culture. We want to safeguard America as a blank slate, yet much more. That's why we negate today's resolution. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Chopra, for that speech. And now we're going to begin crossfire round. I will begin by questioning Ms. Chopra and she will begin answering. This will last for close to two minutes and then we'll switch roles. She'll be questioning and I will be answering. So this will begin effective now. Ms. Chopra, are you ready? Ready. Sounds good. So my first question to you. You mentioned that America is a role model for democracy. Is that correct? Yes, I did. So you think that the Wisconsin voter purge and us not allowing people to vote is a model for democracy? Well, we have been the longest democracy to last in the world. So there's really no argument against that. So you argue that the Wisconsin voter purge didn't even happen? No, my point is that our democracy has become a model for the rest. Can you name an example of a country that has a constitution or something modeled after us? Let's take France, for example. Their entire revolution was modeled after ours. Okay, so now let's go on to your second point about immigration. <clears throat> is that your second point? That's right. So you're making the argument that America is a melting point of cultures? Yes, I did make that argument. So when looking at America as a melting point of cultures, don't you see that America as a country also has disincluded people from this melting point? Yet this nation is still diverse, and it's, it's a country of immigrants where we want to safeguard this nation's economy. Well, it's a economy. country of immigrants that pushes away immigrants. Is that not correct? Well, it doesn't affect, uh, it, it is not our priority at the time. Our priority is to safeguard the American economy. So for that reason, you're saying we can push people away. No, but we can make reasonable restrictions in order to be a unique model that for an economic world power. So you're saying that restricting and still having economic security, trying to get the best of both worlds is how we're being unique? Yes, it's exactly that. Okay, thank you, Ms. Chopra. This is where my line of questioning ends. So after finishing my line of questioning, now Ms. Chopra has the opportunity to question me. Ms. Chopra, whenever you're ready, you can begin your two minutes line of questioning. If you believe that our immigration policies are so corrupt and that's the reason why our country should not be ex called exceptional, 
why shouldn't we value our economic security? Because I think that economic security comes at a price. And I'm 100% sure that pushing people away, saying that they can't come into our nation, is not something that is unique to us. Countries like Italy, countries like Britain, all these countries have done it in the past. And while you're trying to say that, you know, economic security is what we're trying to maintain by restricting the amount of immigrants, and that's not what many countries have done. Well, the fact is, many countries are, don't have that good of economies as the United States does. So do you not agree with this notion that we should value both our economic security as well as maintain diversity in our culture? I agree with that, but it's coming at a cost that when you say we're democracy, we're the moral like gods for the world, it infringes on that. So that's well, what other countries, what other countries are a moral um, model? Well, not many countries are moral models of democracy, but let's understand that there are other countries that have democracy in place. Countries like India, who also have democracy, who also face corruption, who also face immigration policies. Yet countries like, like yet countries that are developing, such as India, have not managed to make it as a world power and managed to safeguard their economic security. So how can you say that America is not exceptional? Because... The fact is, American exceptionalism is essentially being different. How are we different when we're restricting people who can come in just because we're scared? We're not different. More people than ever have been allowed the right to vote and the right to be represented in their government in the United States. Why do you believe that countries such as India, who had problems with their caste system throughout their history and continue to have problems with corruption and with mal-representation of their population should be considered as a model for democracy as well. Because the fact is, they also fought against a major power and triumphed. And I think they're more of an exceptionalism type of country than us because they fought without war. They fought, they fought through peace. And that's something that we as a na nation never even thought of. Of course, we started by saying we won't pay the taxes, but we ultimately went to war. We, as a nation, fought hard for our liberty, but fought the wrong way in comparison to countries like but India. In the end, in, but in the end, the development of the nation was not safeguarded, and the development of the nation needs a strict government to but um, exhibit. But a strict government goes against your point. Migration policy. But a strict government goes against the point that democracy is what makes America unique. A strict government is fascist yeah that's what the federalists argued they were proven right alexander hamilton's bank proposition was most significant part of our history because but other countries have banks as well so that's like the fact that you cannot ignore the time for our questioning has now come to an end thank you miss chopra for the excellent line of questioning now we will be presenting our one minute conclusion arguments I will be going first since I'm an affirmation, and then Ms. Chopra will give a, be giving her one-minute crystallization. In today's debate, it's been very, very clear that the opposition has not had an argument that can hold water. First, because the opposition argument entirely relies on the notion that America is unique. America is not unique because we've copied things that other governments have done. 
our constitution is essentially a knockoff of what Britain has. The ways in which we think, the enlightenment, all these things is what influenced our constitution. That doesn't make us unique. That makes us someone who now would be in trouble of copyright. So as a nation, we've never been unique. We've never tried to be unique. We've always tried to copy others and say that we are the best ones out there. Thank you, and it's exactly for this reason that in today's debate, you don't vote with the negation, but your vote lies with the proposition. Thank you. Ms. Chopra, now it's your turn to give your one-minute crystallization. Begin whenever you're ready. Thank you. The speech and affirmation today was completely neglectful of the true values that America stands for. America is not a country that criticizes immigration. It's a country that accepts people for who they are, a melting pot of culture. America, in fact, has a social ladder which anyone has the opportunity to climb. And this is why I believe that the argument in negation is the one that is stronger. Thank you, Ms. Chopra, for your closing statement. We will not be deciding winners in this round. However, we would uh, like to talk about the debating techniques that I employed and Ms. Chopra employed as well. And uh, Ms. Chopra and I will be talking about this to gain and show you how the tips that I've discussed on this podcast the past three weeks, how Ms. Chopra, without even knowing, employed in her fantastic speech and that I've employed as well. So, Ms. Chopra, would you like to start off by saying what you thought was efficient about your speech? I think that today, although there were some things that could be improved, I managed to talk to the listeners as if they were learning new concepts and to make sure they understood my point of view. Definitely. I think like that's one of the major arguments that the major things that made your speech very effective, the language that you used as well. Um, we spoke about vivid imagery on our podcast and you kind of employed it by saying like your ragtag nation, like using those powerful words constantly in your speech. And to all our viewers listening, realize how after my very power heavy driven speech, she came and gave a very calm one. That contrast in personality and contrast in the way of speaking can be very, very efficient. If she came and gave an excessively passionate speech as well, you would essentially lose interest because two people have all have maintained essentially the same tone. So her variation is what made us listen to her deeply and understand what she spoke about in a different level. So now let's move on to my uh, speech, Ms. Chopra. What do you think I did well? I think what you did well was you used great inflection and you also built up great imagery by explaining through your scholarly knowledge of America's history and um, our politics system and our government system. So yes. that I really appreciated that. Yeah, and you did that too, right? With like all of your information on like, she included a lot of relevant evidence with like Mitt Romney and disproving essentially a politician, which was a very bold move and I think paid off for her. Because if even if I had to choose a winner in today's debate, it would be her because her arguments did hold a lot of weight. And in her cross-examination, her fierce attitude. First, she came off as very like calm and composed, and then she comes and attacks you in your cross and then ends efficiently. That's something that helped her and something that I did that some 
debaters who are aggressive could employ is aggressive in the beginning, a bit lighter in the cross, and then aggressive in the closing, so you don't come off as too hugely passionate, which can come off as extremely aggressive. Obviously, match the tone of the people who you are talking to. But that was I learned a lot from listening to the speeches, yeah. to your speeches, and your re responses to the questions. They were with great precision. And I can, I absolutely can say the same for Miss Chopra. Her responses, the way she thought about them, and gave a moment to like, you know, just really parse down the question and understand it was very efficient because she came up with powerful responses. So good job to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time. And it was an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, with that, we're going to be introducing actually next week's topic. We're going to have another debater come on the show and debate whether the United States federal government regrets selling direct commercial sales and foreign military sales of arms to Saudi Arabia. So until then, keep debating, keep being happy, and keep listening to Procon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Chopra. Have a wonderful day, everyone.